Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Longshot Podcast. I'm your host, Duncan Robinson, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Davis Patrick Reed. Davis, how we doing? Great, Dunk. I'm great. We're switching it up on our audience again. A uh, mm. little wary about that. Just want to make sure that you know we're keeping everybody on the same page. Um, so other than that, I'm I'm great. Yeah, for sure. Communication is key. Uh, so we're just going to get out right in front of it. So we're now splitting up not only our YouTube, Dave, but we're also splitting up our audio releases. We're going to do a Thursday release when we have a guest of the guest interview, as well as this little you know intro of us too. And then Friday, uh, we will release our kind of back and forth. I don't really know what we've called that. Have we come up with a name for that yet? Just kind of like our us rambling. Yeah, we're workshopping it. I, you know, I love a good like on brand name. So, you know, sticking in the basketball universe, we could call it overtime. You know, it comes after mm. the interview. It's something sure. we'll continue to brainstorm. That's a, that's good. It's, I don't know if it's great. Um, we, 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 can, want great. we can, yeah, we can roll with it for now. Um, but yeah, we had a great conversation with George. Uh, we mentioned it, but he is the first guest that we have had on twice which is pretty exciting. Obviously we, you know, we go back with George a little bit. So it's, we talk basketball, but we talk, you know, other things off the court. And, uh, as you'll, as you'll learn, you know, G is a uh, stand up guy and just an all around fun guy to talk to. He really is. Yeah. He's the man. He's also our Philly correspondent. So, you know, now mm-hmm. that there's some, some newsworthy things happening in, in Philly, who knows, maybe he'll be on again this season. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Love the sound of that. Um, no, that, that'll be great. No, I, I will say there's obviously a lot of eyeballs in, on Philly right now from the general media, but we, uh, you know, we got a, a unique take, an inside source, if you will, um, which I think you guys will appreciate. So here's George. All right. Perfect. Let's hit it. So welcome to another episode of the Long Shot Podcast. I'm a Long Shot Podcast correspondent, George Niang. I come in every three episodes. No, honestly, no, I love that intro. Let's just, let's just bring it in right like that. Um, <laughs> gee, you are the first person we've ever had on twice on this show. So I, you know, look, you have a long list of accolades. You know, I think they're building a statue of you somewhere in Ames, Iowa. But where does this fall being our first repeat guest on that long list? Honestly, um, I would say I'm honored, but the fact that I had to send 17 texts to beg for this, I wouldn't say that, you know, it feels like an award. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, I mean, you know, I love shooting the, shooting the breeze with you guys and, and catching up and whenever I can get an opportunity to do that, especially on the long shot podcast. I love well, it. You- you know, since we've last uh, last talked on here, you've actually created your own podcast. You have a, a special dynamic uh, that you got going in the uh, the great city of Philadelphia, the Big Niang Theory. You know, if you haven't tuned in, make sure that you do. You know, so you're also a professional podcaster yourself. You've gained a whole bunch of experience. So I, I imagine you know you're you've gotten pretty comfortable in this setting. Yeah, you could say I'm pretty much a podcast connoisseur. Um, throw that out there. But yes, I do have the big Niang theory. Um, with the Philadelphia 76ers, the team that I play for. Um, I guess you would say it's kind of different than what you guys are doing. I mean, obviously you guys can kind of branch out and do things that you want. Not saying that I can't, but it's more or less drawing in the, 
the Philadelphia um, fan base. So you can't branch too far away uh, or you'd have to bring in a really interesting guest. Um, and I don't know if my Rolodex actually has too many interesting guests in it. Is it uh, is it too bold of me to say that you've quickly become a Philly legend? Because it certainly feels that way from the outside looking uh-huh. in. You know, my theory behind that is I actually think that like how I look and how I portray myself and, you know, talk a lot of shit, whether if it's warranted or not, like Philly people like look at me and they're like, like I could be him. Like that is me. Like that is my spirit animal. So I feel like that's why we get along. And then next thing you know, I bang home a couple threes, sprinkle in a dunk here and there. And there you go. It happened. The minivan has arrived in Philadelphia. <laughs> don't uh, don't downplay the bounce at all. You know, I, I, you've had actually a handful of pretty impressive dunks <laughs> this year. Uh, still, my my favorite George moment. I was I was watching uh, you guys play Chicago the other day, and uh, you hit a couple big shots late. And just the antics, you, you just started getting into it with the crowd, a couple, you know, three fingers. Yeah, it was just one of these to the head. It was kind of like your own yeah. rendition of the mellow, you know, three to the head. Um, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's my favorite version of G when you get into that mode. Uh, let me ask you a question, Duncan. Do you like that so that, like, you can laugh at me or, or laugh with me? No, it's, we're all we're all celebrating it together you know when i see you succeed as long as you're not playing the miami heat um and honestly sure. right now we're kind of in the thick of things uh in terms of a playoff race so i like to see you yeah. personally succeed i do <laughs> particularly enjoy it when you guys you know lose just lose, because lose by with, 50 to the celtics <laughs> that was a uh, i was surprised to see that we played at the same time i uh, got back to my phone and that was uh that got scary quick huh yeah you know just one of those things like you know when like i mean i don't really have a big brother but i've had a lot of big brother figures like in my life you know and they're like putting you sure. in a headlock and you're like I, all right i quit i quit i quit i quit that that's what it was and it got to that point. I mean, those guys hit a ton of shots. I mean, I don't know. It, it happens in the NBA. You don't want it to be 50, but that's why you got the next one, right? 100%. I mean, listen, we, we just got beat by them pretty badly, too. Uh, they're playing they're playing good basketball right now. The East is, is shaking out to be quite the race. You got a couple teams. You know, Toronto, Yo. Boston had slower starts, and they're starting to play really well. It's, it's definitely going to be uh, – Interesting after this break to see how it all shakes out. But tell me this, right? If you're in the race, like, do you really want to see Toronto in your first round of the playoffs? Like, that's what I mean. Like, no, I was, I was actually like, yeah. scrapping for six and seven. It's crazy, man. And the, the playing dynamic has added a whole nother layer to it where like i don't know about you but now when you look on like the nba app the standings have like a little break where like it's it's (laughs) the top six and then the play-in is 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 after that and it's like you almost think like oh yeah those those teams like way down there like whatever but then all of a sudden you realize like who those teams are and they're like really good teams toronto being one of them we've you know we played toronto three times i think um, and, and they just play different than every, than anybody else. You know, they play basically like five of the exact same player or really four of the exact same player and then Fred. Um, yeah. but then they're like all super long, switch everything, super disruptive. They're just like a, 
a nightmare to play against. They're hard to prepare for because, like, you guys, you kind of know. Well, now, obviously, with James, it changes, but like, you know, you're getting, you know, 30, 35 post ups a game. And you got to yeah. come up with a scheme to try to do that. And you got to figure out a way to keep George Niang from shooting corner threes. You know, like that's basically the scouting report. It's, it's Embiid post ups and Niang corner threes. <laughs> I love a little premium gas on a Tuesday. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just constant chaos over there. But then again, like they kind of play the same way that like you, I mean, a little less chaotic because you guys, you know what I mean? Have, you know, obviously schemes and stuff like that, where it just seems that, like, if you get a drive against uh, the Toronto Raptors, it seems like three guys are, like, running at you, which is, like, never heard of for a guy like me. It's, like, usually they'll, like, try and let me go finish a layup, but then I have, like, three guys running at me that are, like, 6'9", 6'10", 6'7", with, like, seven-foot wingspans, and it's, like, oh, crap, that window closed fast. And they just play hard. But, yeah, the East is – I mean, I would – I'm going to make a bold statement. Davis, you can let me know if I'm wrong, but the East might not be that JV league that people, I think the East might be better than the West top to bottom right, right now. Or am I, or am I reaching on that? I mean, I like that you're coming to me as the barometer of whether that's accurate or not. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think just like you guys said, you look at one through eight, the heat are the one seed right now. If the playoffs were today, they would play the the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. So it's like, you're going to have some top four teams that are playing series against teams that are very capable of, of beating them. Um, also Dave, dude, we got to figure out a way with the mic race. We got to figure out a way to get you in this. No, stop. Go. All right. I'm here to just, I'm here to just listen. I'll kick in. Um, Fucking facilitate that. Fuck. <laughs> I know. I'm leaving the facilitation to G. Yeah, which fuck. is way better. <laughs> yeah, and we also need to talk about. We also need to talk about. Like, I love catching up with you guys because you guys are my boys. I don't really listen to podcasts besides like my own. Like, I'm not really you know in that realm, but I do catch what you say. And you need some explaining to do with Gabe Vincent as one of the handsomest guests. What was that? And I Duncan, you dodged you dodged a bu- you dodged a bullet on that. You're like, hey, Davis, I don't know what you're getting at. If you'd like to elaborate, like, <laughs> listen, that is that's one conversation that that Davis felt very bullish on having. Uh, yeah. and, and quite honestly, I, I just I just let him ride with it. Why do you feel like you should be in the running for that, G? I mean, I don't know. I feel like I leave it up to Davis, but then we'd have another awkward clip that we could put on Instagram where people are like, hey, hey, what's up with Davis? <laughs> Wait, G, do do you, would you be complimented if I told you you were a top three most handsome guest or would you be weirded out? Honestly, Davis, um, my barber, Kenny Duncan in Philadelphia came over and gave me a crispy fade today. So yeah, I would say I'd, you look good. I'd toss up top three. Okay. When, yeah. I, I, I think you're in the running. I don't know. You're like a friend. You're like in the play in for the three spot. I think. Yo, It'd be your own dudes, Duncan. It'd be your own homies. A hundred percent. I just, I'm, I was confused. What threw me off with the, the Davis and Gabe thing was the conviction that he spoke with. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what kind of caught me off guard. Like this isn't something that we've talked about before. And Dave just yeah. kind of took it there. That's why I was like, look, I'm just going to opt out of this <laughs> entirely. We you didn't plan I mean? like, this. Gonna- we didn't plan this. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm finding my voice. You know what I mean? I just it came to my mind. It felt like it was something that needed to be said. I also think it's important. Duncan and I talked about this afterwards. I think it's important to, you know, give your give people you're talking to their flowers. You know, Gabe was looking good. I thought it was it was worthy of commenting on. Gee, your fade looks good. Uh, if you were wearing a chain and a pea coat like Gabe was, then you know that would have boosted things up a little bit. The sweatshirt's fine. I mean, it's nice. It looks a little too expensive, but it's all right. What are what are the threads there, G? What are, what are we rocking? A uh, materialistic guy like you, uh, Davis. I thought you'd know. And uh, Soul was made by us. Um, it's a guy out of uh, Chicago. Um, I wish I could give you more of a background on it, um, but he does a, a solid job, basically um, promoting, you know, um, urban culture, um, African American culture, that. you know, and uh, just basically talking about, you know, how you know the the culture that they've built is, has fueled um, a, a following, and I I thought it was pretty cool when I heard about the story, and I was like, shoot, let me. Let me get one of those. Actually, a friend got it for me, and then I realized what what it was all about. But know what I was thinking? Like, should there be a segment on the Long Shot Pod where literally all guests that come on the Long Shot Pod, like you snag like a couple photos of them walking in, and then Davis can kind of give them mm-hmm. a grade on like, like, hey, like Joe Ingles, like, hey, you brought a lot of effort here. Like, you have a triple flat espresso, like, but the fact that your socks are tucked into your sweatpants and or no, your sweatpants are tucked into your socks and you're wearing Chuck Taylor's like, it's gotta go. See, I, I, I respect Joe's dedication to the, the team that he's playing for sweatsuit mixed in with the Chuck T's and the coffee. Like there's a certain level of commitment night in and night out to just stay true to that. Gee, I've, I've seen you. I, I actually feel like you've elevated your style since you've been in Philly. Am I wrong on that? No, you're right. Hey, when when your price goes up, you just start doing outlandish <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Funny story though about team sweats that I c- will never get out of my head, and it's kind of like hinders me from wearing them. Like my first year in Indiana, I played with Al Jefferson. Like everybody knows Al, Big Al, right? Nicest guy ever. So like you know, when you're first getting in the league, you're like, who cares about the money? Like you got all this gear, like unlimited socks, shoes, like you know what I mean, sweat suits, like you got. So I was always wearing like my Pacers stuff and, and Al Jeffrey was like, motherfucker, you don't think everybody in this town knows you play for the Pacers? Wear something else. <laughs> and I was like, all right, maybe I should like put down the team issued gear and just like get my Nike tech fleece on. See, is, is it's different though, because like in Miami, we're encouraged to wear the team stuff. You know, when we're traveling, we're on a plane, when we're going on a bus, like we're encouraged to wear that stuff. So it's like uniform, you know, like we're all in it together. We're all having some sort of matching. But then like this year, there's definitely been a, a little shift in that. You know, we got some some vets, some guys like, you know, PJ or Kyle who who don't, they don't want to wear. They don't want to wear heat gear. And then yeah. I get it. I get it. You know, that's that's their opportunity to kind of show out a little bit, you know, do their thing. Um, so, I'm, you know, this is something we talked about on this pod, G, is, is my lack of appearance on League Fits. Um, have you made an appearance on League Fits yet, by the way? I can't say that I have. There's been some potential outfits that I'll shoot you guys the the Getty images where I thought like I performed at a high level and they neglected me because, you know, my pants didn't have like 
chrome hearts on it or a bunch of crosses or writing or I didn't, I didn't dye my hair blonde, but I'm going to stick to being me. And one day I'm going to get to that mountaintop one day. No, dude, it's only, it's only a matter of time. And the other thing with that is like, I hate to come. Yeah, for sure. I've been on multiple times. The, the cuts <laughs> clothing representative made it. Hold on, like, hold on. Don't throw shade at cuts. Don't do that. Not on no, this cuts podcast. Has, cuts, cuts has not, cuts has nice stuff. Like you could get away with wearing cuts, and someone would think like you spent like five hundred dollars on the hoodie or like the shirt. I swear. I promise no, I'm a you. Big, listen, listen, you don't have to talk of cuts to me. I'm a big cuts guy. You should see my oh. closet. It's just, there's a lot of cuts going on in there. Uh, shout out to, to Steve and Jordan over at cuts, by the way, just an opportunity to shout them out. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've actually, I actually went on the cut, the cuts is uh, starting a podcast and I've been on their podcast. So I was one of their first guests. Uh, yeah. So I have a great relationship with cuts. Great people over there. Um, but yeah, yeah shout I'm, out I'm cuts. Most- can I get some, can I get some more gear? I love y'all. <laughs> I've been uh, I've made multiple appearances on League Fits. I don't know if you knew that. I mean, honestly, but here's the thing: is it's not necessarily that I like really showed out with the fit either. Like it's it's basically it was when I was in the finals playing in the bubble, yeah. so it was like there there was just a lack of volume, right? Like they could only choose so many. Yeah. Uh, was one, and I honestly don't remember what the other one was. Um, but Davis tried to expose me at one point for wearing Crocs. Um, we're not actually Crocs. It's cane footwear. It's like a recovery footwear, um, which is also a great product as well. But he tried to. I saw those, those like slide-ons. You look like you had them in yeah. sport mode. <laughs> those things are fresh. Cane footwear is elite comfort, and it's also active recovery for your foot. You got to check them out. Dude. I, I feel like the minivan would, would do really well in a pair of cane footwear. I really do. Honest, honestly, I might like, can I ask you this though? So that day when you wore those, did you decide to, to swim in and like you were running up through the water? So like, you know, the holes in them, like it drains the water out as you're getting into the arena. I actually was put on to came footwear by the Morris brothers, Markeith and Marcus. Oh, really? Um, I think, I think that's dude. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, they, I think they actually invest, uh, with the company and they were wearing, like Keith was wearing it one day. I was like, yo, what is that? And he was told me all about it. And, you know, I had to cop a couple of pairs. I, you know, like I, I see you throwing shade, like subtle shades. Um, I just want to let you know, just don't knock them until you try them. All right. You just, you just got to try them out. Uh, and I promise all your worries, all this, all this nonsense will go away. You'll see what it is. It's a real deal. It really is. What is cane footwear? I'm on it. Can dude, just just look into it. Um, no, I mean that's that's the one thing I've noticed about you this year, G. You know, obviously watching a little bit from afar, but then also you know reaching out every now and then is I feel like you're just moving a little different. You know, you got your go weekend go. Uh, you know, Friday posts, man, it's yeah. just getting super comfortable. I, I got to imagine is it something just like being back in the Northeast, just feeling real close to your roots. Like, what is it? You, you know what? I just think you know the more that I'm around and I hang around, I just feel like I need to unleash the beast. Like there's no need to hold back anymore. There's no need to worry about, are people going to like me? I'm just going to be G. And as you guys know, since you've been around me for quite a long time, that's just a, a wild character that slowly gets unleashed. 
That's so it's it's really so beautiful. No, no, I'm just I'm just giving you guys I'm just giving you guys shit. But no, the go weekend go stuff is has been fun. I I try to implement the things that actually are important to me. And I think you get to a point, I don't know what age it is, where you're just like, I don't really care to like fit in. Um, you know what I mean? I find happiness in my life and I'm just gonna be me. And if you don't like me, uh, that's okay. And hopefully you do like me, but if you really don't, that's even better. Again, beautiful to hear, but I think it's not just off the court because it is with the go, we can go with the fits, you know, things have, things have stepped up a notch, but this is about a year to the day since you came on our podcast. And the, I don't know if you know this, but the splits on the court are even more glaring. Things have essentially doubled in every major category, points per game, rebounds, minutes. I mean, it's just like, you're a different person since coming on our podcast last year. So I get it. it. You're coming into your own. You're becoming, you know, more mature, more confident. But I actually think that making an appearance on our show might have turned the tide a little bit as well. I just think it's something you need to consider. Does that mean like I have to cut you guys like an agent fee or is, is this free? Is this like, is this gain of my game? Like, is that, is that like free of charge? I just think it's something to think about, you know, it's just, you know, I, I think it's maybe speaks to just the level of appreciation you should have for the long shot podcast. That's right. All. We don't need, we don't need payment. We don't need any of that. We're willing to and negotiate Dunk, a fee though, if you're open to it. No, no, I hear that Duncan, that's pretty gutsy um, coming from a guy that was, um, you know, once afraid to have a, a good finishing of a vacation due to a, a monsoon scaring, but hey, nor here nor there. I mean, I don't okay, know. Okay, hold on. No, I stand, Wait, firm. Actually, I stand firm in that decision. Let's let's unpack that a little bit. Um, we've, we've talked somewhat briefly about a trip this summer that we all went on on this podcast. We, we took a little soiree out to uh, the Hamptons. I don't think any of us had ever been out there. And basically Never. what happened was, what happened was it was our last night and the Hamptons was on the precipice. Was it, was it a hurricane? What was it? Was it a tornado? Yeah, I don't like even remember biggest, what it was. The biggest one in like, you know, five decades. Yeah. So yeah. we're, so we're out there. <laughs> so, so we're out there we're getting we're all getting like storm warnings on our phone it honestly felt like doomsday it felt like the world was going to end and we we all basically we come to a fork in the road metaphorically you know we got to decide are we going to head back to the city <laughs> or are we going to stay our last night out there are we going to have a good time are we going to celebrate endure the storm and then drive back the next morning now the group was very there was a clear divide you know half the group was you know we got to get back we can't get stranded out here no electricity no water they really made it sound like it was going to be yeah, like like we were going to be on survivor <laughs> survivor or something like you know what is that show like surviving with someone like naked or not having food or like come on naked and afraid yeah, that, no, that, that, that's honestly what was presented. Like, I remember it was it was a combination of Davis and our and our dear friend Harry, and uh, it was brought up of like, 
guys, if we lose electricity out here and stores shut down, like we don't have enough food to survive. Like it could get, it could get really, 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 you know, just, just a precarious situation. Uh, and then of course G was on the opposite side of the spectrum of, you know, yeah. we're out here. We just got to keep going. I was, I was, I was nestled, nestled nicely in between the two. Um, I, you know, I was a little bit concerned, but at the same time, I felt like it was a little bit of an overreaction. So anyways, G, what do we end up doing? Um, well, all I know is that H- Harry and Davis seemed to be so worried. I was like, I honestly thought I was talking to my mom that was like, all right, well, we've had enough fun. Like, let's pack it up and let's go home. Like, no. And then the rest of the group was like, yeah, like if we're going to go out, we better go out with like a bang. And I think the last right. night was one of the best nights we ever had. And there was minimal rain. Shout out to the surf lodge. And we had a blast. It was honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. I'd never, I'd never been to the Hamptons. Like I've only done Nantucket, like Cape Cod, like all those Martha's Vineyard. And like, but the Hamptons, I'll be making a stop in the Hamptons every year. <laughs> Hamptons. Is, you're going to be a, you're going to be a surf, surf lodge regular. You could say that you get a table in the corner or something. I'm not going to stand for this slander. I think it was important that we brought a few different opinions to the table. I was going to, you know, you got to understand Midwest guy here. I don't have a lot of experience with hurricanes. There's one road in and out of the Hamptons. So we thought, you know, there were some reports that what if that road gets blocked? We get stranded out there. It was just, I thought it was a conversation worth having. The group decided that we were going to stay. And so we stayed. We had a good time. But I do not regret at least bringing concern to the table. The Wizard of Oz, it wasn't that filmed in in the Midwest, like click your heels three times, there's no place like home, the tornadoes, like hurricane, but you're supposed to be used to that, Midwest tough, I thought. You really disappointed me, Davis, but... Tornadoes and we'll hurricanes move. are not quite the same, but okay. I mean, they're kind of both okay. dangerous, aren't they? Gee, we stayed, we had a good time. All right, no, fair enough. Just, I'll, it's I'll bow down. To, you're right. <laughs> Gee, I, I, I got a question for you. There's been a, uh, I actually was asked about this in, uh, in a media availability the other day, and I didn't really know that it was a thing. But there's been this thing circulating about a random person or an average civilian or your average LA fitness guy uh, being able to score 20 points in an NBA game. If basically he got to play the entire game, uh, not play defense, you know, all that sort of stuff. Now oh I feel like you and I, you and I actually probably get this quite a bit because we don't maybe fit the typical physical molds, at least from a, optic standpoint of of what an NBA of what an NBA player looks like. Um, Can you just please just comment on, on how absolutely ridiculous that is just, just please. We should do a charity event. Um, You know, if you have a, have played, uh, you know, college basketball, you know, or think you've played at planet fitness or whatever, and you will come and, I will have an opportunity to score on you. You will play defense. And if I score on you, you're off. And if I don't, then you get a chance to score. And if you don't score, you're off. And and I want to see how many times guys really think they – I'm only going to do it for like 10 minutes, 
But like, who do you think you are that you can come in and like we, professional athletes? I know it like looks easy because the only time you see us working is the two hours that we're on TNT or ESPN. But like, that's ridiculous. First off, half the Joe Schmoes out here wouldn't be able to be able to breathe after three times running up and down the court. So let's X that. Right. And could you imagine like if someone trying to score on like PJ Tucker and he's like barking on him and like his sweats like <laughs> flying in their face and they're just like, all right, all right, I'm done. I don't, I don't want anymore. Like these are grown men who are hungry to win. Like this isn't like you're playing some five, four, uh, you know, financial advisor, you know, that's coming in to get some reps up. Like these are dudes that are, it's like trained killers out here. There's also, you, you mentioned the, how like some guy, like someone like PJ, right? Like I, I play PJ every single night. I see how he dedicates himself to the defensive end, commit like every single possession. Like he has a certain level of pride. And I think back to like, and, and at one point I'll admit that I was kind of like this, that I used to think like, oh yeah, the NBA, like nobody plays defense. You know what I mean? Like that was like a, that was like something that I actually thought, which is like, I'm honestly embarrassed to say that out loud because now obviously that I'm in it, it's like so much of what we talk about. And obviously it's a, it's a star driven league, offensive driven league for sure. But that's mostly just because guys are so talented that there's only so much you can do. But this idea that people don't try on defense is ridiculous. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just the, the guys are so talented. Like, I mean, you have these athletes that, you know, you try to shade them away from their spots, but they still get to their spots and rise up and shoot over you or dunk over you. And it's like the talent level at each position, like whether if it's, you know, Joel or Devin Booker or, you know, Donovan Mitchell or Bam or, you know what I mean? Even, even you, like even when we worked out this summer, I was like, you know, I knew you could shoot, but I didn't know you could really shoot like off the dribble like that, flying around, you know what I mean? Dribbling, step back. You know, I've always doubted you. I've always doubted you. You know how that is. But no, I mean, it's just like guys are guys do it at a high level. And it's like you think you know what a guy's tendency is. But like you really have to force a guy to not shoot those shots if you really want the best opportunity. And these guys, the best opportunity to stop them. But these guys are actually like legit and unreal at getting to their spots. It's like every guy knows what spot they want to get to because that's like their sweet spot. Like Lou Williams, for instance, like everybody knows if that ball is dribbled in his left hand and he so happens to shoot it, it has like a 95% chance of going in. What uh, for you, all right, and obviously, you know, I, I feel like I have a pretty good scouting report on, on you as a player. Um, but I think a lot of people don't realize like they just see you shoot your catch and shoot threes and like... I strongly encourage people to look up high school highlights, college highlights of a young minivan and just see the, the skill repertoire that you have. Um, does it ever like, do you ever feel like disrespected that? And, and once again, like you play your role at an incredibly high level and you actually do a lot of playmaking for the Sixers, especially in that second unit. Like they, they, rely on you a lot to distribute and playmake. But like, do you ever feel disrespected? Not by your teammates, because I think that they know that you bring value, but maybe by like the mass public that, you know, you're kind of like, that they all kind of put you in a box in a way. 
Does that make sense? Be, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, where you're just like, oh, you guys only think that I can do this, but like, I'm only doing this because this is yes. what gets me on the court and like help my team, yes. helps my team win. Um, yeah, but I feel like that's the part where like, if you dwell on that, you will be so focused on doing the wrong stuff out there. Like if you, if you live your whole NBA life trying to prove people wrong of what you, what they think you can't do, you're not going to flourish in showing them what you actually are an NBA level elite player at. And, um, obviously catching shooting was something that I, I picked up. I mean, I could always shoot, but you know I mean? You pick up because, that's what's going to get you on the court. And if you can get yourself on the court for 10 minutes and you make two threes in 10 minutes, that may push it to 15 minutes. And if you get 15 minutes, you may have an opportunity to drive and kick out to a teammate and get an assist or a layup. And then that might get you 20 minutes. And you're always just looking for, you know, having a solid base. So the biggest thing for me is catch and shooting is a base. But when someone like puts their worst defender on me, I'm like, if only I had the leash to just go post you up right now and, you know what I mean, get back to the Tilton school days of hitting a baby hook over you or a fall away. And so that thought crosses my mind. But then again, like, you have to think of it as, like, me posting up takes away from someone else's strength. But, uh, yeah, I would say I, I do feel disrespected. And, you know me, I always want to clap back. But, you know, sometimes it's, some things are better left unsaid. I mean – yeah, yeah, it gets me going. So uh, you you pinched a nerve there. No. <laughs> Gee, how many post-ups do you think you get now with Harden added to the roster? Do you think that number goes up? You know, I'm going to bet to say that I should probably keep my guy out of the way of uh, James, and he'll greatly appreciate that, and I'm sure he'll make sure to find me um, behind the three-point line so that I can tee off, you know, some some wide-open threes. Um I don't know. I think the way the NBA is going, you kind of want to keep the paint, you know, wide open for us, either for Joel or for other guys like Tyrese, Tobias, James, um, to, to drive in the lane. Cause, uh, I feel like the days of having two bigs sitting at each block, I think about it now. I'm like, how difficult would that be to score if you were a guard? Which is probably why guards now find a way to score at higher levels because they literally, you know, the, the paint is wide open. Gee, I want to. I want to ask Dave. Obviously, you just brought it up. I mean, you guys have had basically like a microscope on your organization for a lot of the year because of you know the Ben stuff, and then obviously throughout the trade line. I'm curious of, and obviously it's early. You guys haven't even played a game yet. You probably had a couple of practices, but like, what have what has been? First of all, that that day, the the trade deadline day. Yeah. What was that like? And then also since. Um, what has it been like? Just curious. You know, you are a Philly um, correspondent, so. You know, the the day was, you know, actually crazy. I mean, because as much as, like, people, you know, you try to play it off, like, hey, we're getting through it. Like, in the back of your mind, you knew, like, we weren't playing every game at full strength. Like, there was someone that, you know, could contribute that, you know, was out. Obviously, that is Ben Simmons. And, you know, whatever he had to deal with was, you know, was his issue. So it was like, now it's, it feels good to know that we know who we're going forward with. Like we know what our team is and how we can build around that and what things to like, all right, this isn't working, but hopefully, you know, we can work on this and this will work um, moving forward. The day was crazy. Cause you know, you hear one thing on ESPN, then you hear another thing and 
you know, when a team's in the middle of a trade, like nobody's going around advertising that something's going to happen. So uh, I remember stirring it up with you guys being like, oh, hey, like, look, look at this. Like Joel's Joel's ready. The time is now. And uh, you guys are like, what's happening? Like, say, and I was telling Davis earlier, I was like, we knew nothing at that point. Like, we seriously knew nothing. And literally 20 minutes later, I was sitting down on the massage table and our trainer was like, hey, it just went down. And then literally two minutes later, like, I was on FaceTime with someone and like, the phone was like, well, the TV was like, Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, and Ben Simmons and two first round picks are being sent uh, to Brooklyn for James Harden and Paul Millsap. And it's like, your heart like stops. You're like, is, is this really like happening? And then you stop and think like Andre, like Seth, like, well, Andre who didn't even play with Ben, like your life changes because someone else decided, you know what I mean? They didn't want to be in one place. And it kind of brings back the thought where it's like, right. dang, this really is like a business. Like people are only going to see that they changed from the Philly uniform to Brooklyn uniform. And granted Philly's not too far from Brooklyn, but these guys have to uproot every place that they're comfortable with. Now in the middle of a season, go learn new plays, go get acclimated to a new coach, new system. And it's like, dang, like that, that's kind of crazy. And for me, it was like, it's one of those moments where either like someone gets cut or someone gets traded and you're, and you snap out of like, Oh, these are my guys. This is family. Da da da. To like, Whoa, like this is a business. Like, do I really want to get, too close to anybody because I don't want to feel the heartache of like being traded or feeling betrayed. Like even another crazy thing in the trade deadline was I wake up and I'm getting treatment and Tyrese Halliburton FaceTimes me and he was like, yo, I think I'm getting traded. Like, do you hear anything? Am I getting traded to you guys? And I was like, no, I don't, I don't think you're getting traded to us. He was like, hold on. My agent's calling me, calls me back. He was like, man, I'm going to Indiana. And I'm like, no, like, no way. He was like, hold on, hold on. My GM's calling me. And I'm like, dang, like, this all happened pretty fast. He hangs up. And next thing you know, I see a Twitter notification that's like Tyrese Halliburton has been traded to the Indiana Pacers in the matter of, like, five minutes. Like, this dude was talking to me about, like, I think I'm getting traded to you guys. Then it's Indiana. Like, I don't know if it's true. And then it happens. And now the kid has to go from California, where he probably never wore a winter jacket, to you know, the Midwest where he's probably asking to be sponsored by Canada goose. Cause it's so cool. Like it happens so fast, man. It's, it's crazy. The, uh, I think one of the better storylines and, and Richard Jefferson brought it up. I was watching like a trade deadline special was the, uh, the doc river, Seth Curry stuff. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, he, he basically, you know, Seth is married to doc's daughter and then, and Richard or RJ was joking about that, you know, he canceled practice for you guys because he needed to say goodbye to his grandson. Like that's crazy. That's Richard. crazy stuff. Richard's it really is. Crazy. There's like a huge, like human, human side. And I'm laughing, but like, that's also Seth Curry's like life. And obviously he's killing. I mean, he had a great first game in Brooklyn and I'm sure he'll be great in Brooklyn because he's been pretty much great wherever he's been. But there is like, I appreciate that you bring up that human side to it because people talk about it like, oh, it's so entertaining, like the Woj bombs and the Shams bombs and all this stuff. And it's like, yo, that's people's lives getting like uprooted and moved. Oh, it's it's yeah. wild stuff. It really is. And, and, you know, we're we're paid fairly to do so, but still, it is crazy. Yeah, I mean, like Doc Rivers had to come to the realization that, you know what I mean? Like his, 
I'm sure that was, um, I'm not sure it was everything, but I'm sure that was a happy part of, you know, his life of being in Philly that he got to see his grandkids. He got to see his daughter. Um, you know, the, the best thing about, you know, you know, the NBA is it allows us freedoms, you know, to travel freely when it's not the season. So, you know, cause you miss so much time with right. your family. So the fact that you get to have your family in the same city that, you know, you're working in is remarkable. Um, but yeah, they, they don't, people don't see the human aspect, especially on Twitter, which we should all stay off of because it gives people that aren't important, like access. And they're like, we should have traded you when you had the chance. Like, and not that you feed into it, but it's almost like, man, like, should they have traded me? Like a small party is like, man, like, am I not that good? Like, am I not value? Um, but it, yeah, I mean, when you, I know we are paid handsomely and it's a, it's a great life. I'm not saying that. But at the end of the day, like a person working a regular job isn't being watched every second that they work being told like, Hey, you, you hit the a button too slow on that one. Like, why don't you speed it up? Like, um, worker number seven hits the a button three times faster than you. You know what I mean? Like as a human, like you get emotional, like when someone's constantly telling you that you're not good enough or this, that, and the other, like you are allowed to get emotional. Like that's a, that's a human effect um but yeah i don't know i got to rambling but you you get what i mean on that i'm curious because you're you're like obviously a super positive like you know i think doc actually said it best he had a great quote about how your sunshine and you know there's people that bring clouds and there's people that bring sunshine and and you bring sunshine and that's who you are but like there is this negative there's this negative space out there and so much of it exists within social media i'm curious outside of just like blocking it out and staying off twitter or whatever what do you is there anything you do to kind of like maintain a positive spirit because that's something that you bring every day or at least every day that i i interact with you yeah um, I think the the best way that I go about it is just being as being me as being as goofy and, and funny, you know, as possible. Um, and, you know, someone that actually like helped me with that was like uh, um, was Joe Ingalls. And the crazy part is because everybody thinks he's like so grumpy and like this that, and the other, but he's actually one of the like most lighthearted, happiest dudes. And I think there's a balance of, uh, telling people the truth about the situation. And cause you know, sometimes in a, you know, there's truths that people really don't want to say out loud, but if you add a joke to it and say it out loud, it, it kind of softens it up a little bit. And I think, you know, yeah. there's something to be said about that. And, you know, I'm kind of going off topic here, but there's something to be said about having guys like that in your locker room that can kind of break the ice where, Literally, when teams are going through it, you can kind of call out someone, but making a joke about it, being like, yeah, you'd probably go break down the locker room if I shot a shot and didn't pass you the ball. Like, you know what I mean? Just make a lighthearted joke about it. And there's something to be said about having those guys that keeps the mood light and easy and guys feel like they're going to hang out with their friends when they're coming to work rather than like coming to work. Because everybody's been a part of that team where it's like, oh, like we're struggling, like this isn't fun, like this, that, and the other, and you want to have guys in your locker room. And I'm, I feel like it's an undervalued trait where to have those guys to like break the ice and, you know, kind of make the mood funny, but, you know, also serious at the same time is 
super important. But I think the biggest thing for me is I just wake up and I've gotten to a point in my life where, like I said earlier, is um, if you like me, great. Um, if you don't like me, even better. So at least I know how you really feel about me. So, I mean, it is what it is. I just try to go about it. And I'm, as Davis would say, sometimes I'm a lot and other times I'm just right. In the Hamptons, I feel like you, I, I feel like you said I was a lot sometimes. <laughs> well, there were some episodes that were probably worthy of being called a lot, but that's, I for, think another, you're just that's right, for another G. podcast. Yeah. Um, all right, G. We, uh, Dave, you got anything else? <laughs> I mean, this was like chaotic in the most beautiful way. Uh, we brought you on as a Philly correspondent, which I think we eventually got to. It took us a while to get there, but I'm just curious. You answered the the how the day was when you found out the trade was going down and how chaotic it was. Have you guys spent time on the court with James? I know he's rehabbing the rehabbing the hamstring, but do you have any sense of how things on the court change for you guys with him added? I mean, obviously, it's a pretty substantial piece to add to your repertoire. Dave yeah. just doing his job as 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 the media right here, you know, just trying to get some scoops. You really and the crazy part is I I told Davis the trade was going down twenty minutes before it happened and he didn't even report it. So I'm glad you're coming up. My, missed opportunity. My, my big no, moment but, on Twitter blown. But uh the the one thing that I've been impressed about with James is that he's so like dialed in, like um, even like five on O offense, which all of us know, like nobody really wants to do like five on O offense, but he's like calculating like cuts and like going game speed and like getting downhill as fast as he can and like flinging the ball, you know, to the other side. And obviously, you know, with his hamstring, like they'll try to like hold him out with certain stuff. And like, there was one time to like get his conditioning, like we're doing five on O offense, like down and back. And he's like sprinting the court, like to one end while we're on the court and like tapping his feet while we're, you know, getting into our set and then sprinting back to the other end. Like he's just real diligent and like, what he does and it makes you realize like guys like this, there's, there's a reason why they're special for whatever critiques that he gets or, you know, people say that he doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Like from what I've seen to him, he's like, and how he's like asking guys questions or like, how does this work out? What does it look like when the defense does this? I've been pretty impressed. And um, I think we're at a point where, you know, in his situation, like everybody just wants to win. Right. You know what I mean? Like things didn't work out in Brooklyn, things didn't work out in Houston. And it's like, it's at a point where it's like, all right, like I'm all in on winning. Like what, what do I need to do to, to get to that point? And, um, I, I think it's, I think it's been great. I think it's a perfect fit. Um, I mean, I don't know, Duncan, you, you tell me like when you're going over scouting report for Joel Embiid, it's like the whole scouting report is how we're going to like double or where we're going to come from. But then again, like when you've had scouting reports for James Harden, it's like, it's the same thing. We're going to, if he's dribbling and isolating, we're going to come double. So it's like we have two guys that require double teams are going to be on the same on the court at the same time. It's it's been awesome, and um, like I said before, it's a breath of fresh air because what had happened before with the whole Ben Simmons thing was was frustrating, right? You know, like at the end of the day, like I know mental health is a real thing, and like it's it's something that needs to be taken seriously. Um. But also, like, a lot of us came here to win. Like, and at the end of the day, like, we're all well compensated and, like, we have a job to do. Like, this is our job. We're paid to be basketball players. And I understand, like, your health comes first. Um, but 
I, I think in the grand scheme of things, like we were depending on him. You know what I mean? We were depending on him to compete for a championship. So now that we were able to get someone else that is just at that caliber and even better, um, it was like a breath of fresh air. Like I don't, I don't, I know Bruce Brown made a comment saying like, Oh, the locker room's totally different. But for us, it was almost like, yes, like we have someone that wants to be here that wants to be ingrained in our culture and wants to grow with us as a teammate, as a team. And, you know, I mean, use their knowledge, their basketball knowledge to help bring us to the next level. For sure. There was uh you know, we, we hit you with some premium gas earlier in the show. So now it's my responsibility to, to bring it down a little bit. When, when the trade went down, there was some back and forth in our, our group chat and there was a great question that was asked. And I, and I just want to bring it into a public forum. Uh, somebody in our group chat chat asked George, now that you guys have James Harden, does it change what corner you stand in? Cause I'm curious. And that's coming from somebody who also stands in a lot of quarters throughout the course of a yeah. game. So I feel like uh, it's perfectly reasonable for me to throw that type of shade, but I'm just, I'm just curious if you thought about that. Um, you know what? I'm going to predict the right corner because James likes to go left. And so I want to make that pass easy for him. Uh, but that you know, one, yeah, that lefty or yeah. A wise man once told me, you know, there's a lot of money in that corner. If you can, uh, there's if you can a make lot those, of money in that corner. <laughs> if, if you can make yes. those corner threes, there's it's like it's like finding what's it at the end of the rainbow? Uh, the pot of pot gold, of gold baby. It's a pot of gold in those corners. There's a Go pot of gold. Ask, ask, ask PJ Tucker, ask Trevor Ariza. I've played with two of them recently that have made a lot of money in that corner. Let me tell you. Oh, man. Uh, all right, G. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. Um, uh, you know, I know you're a busy guy. You got a big all-star break coming up. Uh, what are you doing for the break, by the way? I didn't even ask you that. You know, I, I'm actually going to go home and, and hang out with my family. Uh, you know, I'm actually pretty love that. Ti- tired that. and exhausted. Uh, me and Davis were actually a little upset that we didn't get the invite to your vacation. But we'll talk about it on the next yeah. uh, next episode. So checking out here live, guys, from the Long Shot Podcast. <laughs> I'm the Philadelphia correspondent, George Niang, uh, with your main host, Duncan Robinson, Davis Reed. Um, thank you guys for joining us. I love it. That's all that needs to be said. Appreciate you, G. Thanks, man.